This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at www.uctv.tv careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and grads in career transition bridge to better employment. I'm John Freeman, and I'm on staff at UCSD Extension, and I'm going to do the introduction of uh, Mr. Powell. Um, let me take a look at this. Welcome to the UC San Diego Extension Continuing Education and Career Showcase. This evening's workshop is web-based technologies. Everybody here is interested in web-based technologies, right? The essentials, and your speaker is Thomas Powell. And let, let me give you a brief bio on, on Mr. Powell. He's the founder of Pint, P-I-N-T, Inc., a leading Southern California web development agency. He has written numerous books on web development, including HTML, The Complete Reference, Web Design, The Complete, Complete Reference, and Website Engineering. And he serves as an adjunct professor or adjunct instructor to the UCSD Department in Advanced Web Design and Development. In addition, he is an advisor at UC San Diego Extension and teaches a variety of courses, including JavaScript and web publishing. Please join me in welcoming Thomas Powell. Okay. Thank you. I'm, I'm stuck here, too. Don't worry, I won't run away. Um, so what are we going to talk about tonight? Um, or why are we here? The philosophical question, notwithstanding, I think, according to Helen, who asked me to give a talk, you're here to figure out what about web technologies you care about, maybe in terms of getting a job, uh, seeing about career opportunities, things like that. And I thought the best way to do it would be to maybe inventory what's going on, see kind of what's out there, talk about some guiding principles that I've had, discuss a little bit about what's going on in the industry, what opportunities there might be, and then, for the shamelessness of it, point you to the UCSD program that would fit that particular goal that you might have in mind. So, apparently I already did this part, but I need to do it because otherwise my timing's all screwed up, is, you know, who, who am I, you know, who is this guy? So. Uh, I had to figure out when I started teaching here, and it was either 1993 or 94, so it's been a long time. And I did start the web publishing program a long time ago, and you may ask why we call it web publishing, why don't we call it web development and web design. Well, if we called it web development, we'd get no designers. If we called it web design, we'd get no developers. So I had to pick some sort of neutral term to talk about the recurring nature of it. And this particular term has both, I think, helped and hurt the program over the years, but that was the genesis of why it's called that, in case you were wondering. I actually also teach over at the CSC department and uh, have taught there since the late 90s as well in upper division computer science. And yes, I've written a few books on a few companies, but I'll keep it simple. In, in light of uh, Anchorman, you might have seen that movie, Brick, he loves lamp. I love internet, so I really do. So uh, if we're going to talk about what to do, I like to think about, you know, who, who is doing this right? You know, they say you, know, you should copy those who know what they're doing, right? Steal from them you know, appropriately. So, you know, who do I wish I was? Do I, I wish I was Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, the, the Sergey and the guy from the Google folk or something, you know, Jeff Bezos or something. So I think about these people and, and the kind of the sites that they have built, the apps that have come around from them. And I ask myself, well, what do they look like? Are these the award-winning sites that visually inspire you when you think of Google and eBay and Amazon and Yahoo? Is that what's going on? Do any of you think of, like, does Craigslist come to your mind when you think of sites that actually seem to work, that people go to a lot? 
you say, well, it's a Google. What's, it, it succeeded. Yeah, it's not beautiful, but it's simple. Okay, well, if that's your thinking pattern, then explain Amazon. If simple is the winner, how did Amazon win? So then your theory would be, okay, well, it's the complexity that wins. Well, then how do you explain Google? There's, there's got to be something going on here. What's in common? What is the organizing principle that I've come up with over years that has helped me understand what's happening? Well, I think when I think of these best sites, what is it that they all do right? What does Google do right for you? You type in something in Google and ask it questions, and somehow it tells you the answers. Uh, I'm going to go off script here, so let's just go ask Google a question right now. So just because I think it's always interesting to say. So let's ask Google, uh, why is UCSD, those aren't answers I really want to hear. How about, why, why is UCSD extension? Oh, that's an answer I like to hear. So that wasn't canned, by the way. I really did not set that up. Uh, so what, what you see Google doing is it's showing you things that are popular, right? things that people believe are the right way or they ask questions. You can ask it some interesting questions. Do so after this particular talk uh, about men and women. Why do men? You'll get some very interesting answers from Google. Um, it says a lot about our society. But I, I wonder about big sites and what is it that they do right. So Google certainly does something right. Amazon does something right. You can buy anything you want there. eBay is the world's biggest garage sale, right? So what do they have? They have content, right? They have a reason to exist. They do that very, very well. Now, they put that together and think about the structure of it. Could they make a mess of it? They could. And what would happen? Well, people might go away, right, if they made it too hard to use. They have to build it. They have to implement their sites. If they did it badly, that wouldn't work for them, would it? They have to deliver it. It needs to be fast. It needs to be up. It can't be crashed. So I wonder how many of you, when you see if your internet connection is working, type in google.com. I see a lot of smirks here. They're the gold standard of it. When was the last time you heard them throwing errors up on the screen? Did you experience that before? Do you find it confusing to use these systems? Or do they just somehow work? And do they deliver on their premise that they're trying to do, their content? I think they do. How do they look? I look at the five pillars and I say to myself, if you fail in the first one, it's game over. If you fail in the second one, it could be game over, right, if you make it too confusing. If you throw errors all the time, it could be game over. If you're down, it really is game over. So it's kind of game over, game over, game over, game over, you're ugly. So it's, it's an interesting thing, but we live in a Model T generation on the web. We're, we're figuring it out. But that's not going to discount design, as we'll see. So the five pillars seem to encompass a lot of different things. I think about if I taught a class on skyscraper building, what would go into that class? Plumbing? Architecture? Interior design, regulatory ideas. It's a ridiculous class. How would you teach a class on what goes into a web application? You won't matter at all. You'll just become a webmaster, right? I always wonder about these webmasters. They're like ninjas, except they don't have smoke bombs or something. They can do everything. Photoshop and MySQL and JavaScript, information architecture and search engine optimization. You've probably seen the ads for all these things. Imagine if you actually knew all these topics very well. I put it to you, do not work for these people. Go to work for yourself. If you really are that much of a genius in all those topics. So a generalist just doesn't work, I think, on the web anymore. I think you have to be part of a team unless your desire is to work on smallish sites. If you want to work on smallish sites, be a generalist. Or if you want to be a, a manager, maybe be a generalist. But 
If you want to work on large-scale applications and sites, you probably need to be part of a team. There simply is too much to know. So I look at this pie chart here, which I sanitized for you. You can figure out what the word is. It used to be under the word stuff. Uh, I, it was not my pie chart. So, But it, it really is this case, is that your, your brain only has so much RAM to work with, and there's too much to know, isn't there? You know, I don't actually know what the atomic weight of carbon is. I, might, I think it might be 12 or something, but I could go figure it out if I needed to. But I know it exists, don't I? What about things that I don't know exist? How many things in the world are there that you don't have any idea, never heard of before? Most things, right? So your, your goal in life might be to make the green sliver really huge, but is that really possible? Or do you have a fixed amount of size in your brain of what you can know about web development? And how big are these slices getting as the days go on? Are any of these topics getting smaller or are they getting bigger? This is a problem. I used to think I knew a lot about the web and it gets smaller. My slice gets smaller every year. So I think about this. I also think about people. Who, who are involved in sites? If I own a site, what do I want? Buy my stuff. If I come to a site and I'm a user of a site, what do I want? Well, I want it for free. Does that really work? Not really. If I build a site, what do I want? Do I want them to make it ugly? Probably not. We have a balance here, don't we? If you put the user in charge, it's not a viable business, is it? They want everything for free, but they can't have it for free. If you put the site owner in charge, they're pushing you to do what they want to do. So why is Las Vegas here? Because who's in control? Are you in control? You're not in control. It's a gilded cage. It's an illusion of control, isn't it? Good interfaces, whether they be Macintoshes or Las Vegas or Disneyland, is a system that you're part of. Amazon is a system. People who bought this also bought that. You should do it too. There's only 20 minutes left, and if you do it in 20 minutes, tomorrow you can have your book. We have this and that together, and you get 5% off. They're pushing you, aren't they, very subtly, and they're calculating all the things you're doing behind the scenes to change the balance of power to them. I call it the benevolent dictatorship. If you're a web designer, you need to be in control, don't you? So what does that entail? Well, that entails a discipline. Cognitive science, usability, the study of you know, how to make things easy to use, the architecture of websites, user experience. You become a student of people. You have to study them. You can't just ask them, hey, user, what do you want to see in your website? What will they say to you? Well, I want it to look like the Taj Mahal. Well, that has nothing to do with it. It's an IRS form. Why, why are you doing that? Well, the users aren't designers, no much more so than if you take Web3 or one of these other courses in design. Are you a user anymore? You know too much, don't you? Watch a video online at YouTube called What is a Browser? They will interview people all over New York. They don't know what browsers are. They don't care. I don't go home tonight and watch Hawaii Five-0 on my Samsung. I go, I love my Samsung. I think of the show, not the thing that it's inside of. So the challenge is, is that you could just study user experience. You could get a four-year degree in cognitive science and experience design. There's master's degrees in this particular area right now. It's a huge space. Use an intro class you could take here. That gets you started, but there's a lot more to do. Now, I've discounted a few things. The reality is I'm, I'm kind of, I think, cheating here. There's an iceberg there. What does one see if you're in a boat? You see a small amount of the berg, don't you? That may not be the part that kills you. Going back to my five pillars, I wonder, which is the part 
the end user cares about? The, del the delivery? I guess if it's down, but they don't go, you know, good job for those delivery people, too bad about the designers. They don't partition it, it's all one thing, isn't it? But if you were to ask people to choose between one site or another, is all that matters, that iceberg tip, what they see, their first impression? I think so, and if you do that badly, that could be a problem. It does matter. Design matters a lot. The problem is, is that, is graphic design interface design? In fact, what is design? Is design just a bunch of pretty pictures? Or we get it into something deeper. I look at this device and people say, oh, it's designed. This is so much better than something else. Look at Johnny Ive is such an expert. He made it weigh just so right in your hand. As if all the engineering that puts this thing together didn't matter at all. It's amazing. All the software that goes into it. It's the whole thing. It's not... It's the sum of all the parts put together. If you treat design as simply graphics, I think you took half of what you needed to take. And so that is a challenge here. We have design courses. You could take those. But I encourage you not to stop there. Otherwise, you only know a portion of the story. It is a holistic approach. That is the challenge of web development. It is design with the software. I like to joke around that the box and the website are the same thing. In the old days, the marketing was the box and the software was kind of plain. Today, it's all encompassed. The whole experience is something that you deal with. Now, I wonder here, a couple of you are here and are software engineers. Are websites, or how should I say, apps, are those software? Well, some crazy guy in the 90s wrote the book on website engineering in the mid-90s. I was famous in Japan for a brief period. Really, <laughs> I was. Uh, it's not very obvious at that time, it's pretty obvious now. I mean, what, what, is, what is the difference between website engineering and software engineering? Well, I wonder, is it the tools that we use? One of our students here doesn't know certain tools. Her tools are somehow obsolete. Are they? Or is it a perception that they are? Is software engineering different than website? Is it easier somehow? You don't have to take so much stuff? I, I don't think so. In fact, I think it's much harder. I think the network itself is a dramatic problem for you, and most people don't know when their website goes boom. They have no sense of it. They turn for answers to Google Analytics and so on. They use societal data to tell them if they're doing well. Look, I have a lot of views. A lot of people visit my site. I'm succeeding. So I ask a question. Are page views a good indicator of someone being satisfied of your site? It depends, doesn't it? it? Maybe they like all this content and they're reading these slides and they're clicking every slide. Maybe they're like, get to the point. Maybe one page view would have been the happiest user, right? You really don't know, can you? Now we see a lot of crazy ideas out there. The reality of web development is that the biggest mistake I see, and one of the reasons why I'm a strong advocate and have continued to teach both at Extension and undergraduate for years, is that I really strongly believe that people don't understand the medium of the web. There are three rough components. It's basically client-server development over a hostile network. So you've got a browser with all sorts of technologies in it, you know, HTML and style sheets and JavaScript and imagery and Flash and what have you, receiving data over a network. 
that network goes all around the world with all sorts of things happening. There's all sorts of traffic going up and down all the time, people injecting things and doing things, talking to various servers that are delivering pages built with technologies ranging from PHP and .NET, so on, talking to databases. Who knows how it's built? But there are a lot of moving parts in this equation. Way too much for anybody to probably know deeply. We very much distinguish in the web between front-end and back-end people. And there has been a pendulum swift switch over the years. We were very much, at first, very back-end focused. The web was primarily a dumb terminal environment. The browser basically rendered static web pages developed on the server. Now, today, it's the opposite. The client side is where everything is. Server side is not the place to make the money. Front end is where all the money is. So if you're a JavaScript expert that knows how to do front end big uh, JavaScript style apps, you're, you're, you're pretty much golden at this point. That's because that's where things are. The real answer is it's a hybrid, right? It's not, it's not a versus idea. You need both. They both have their trade-offs. It's quite interesting to hear people really take issue with, with that theory as they compose a message to me in Gmail arguing with me about how Java is where everything's at, not realizing that JavaScript is what powers their email creation device that they're hitting me with. So you know, it's, it's a rather interesting kind of change. So we start with the easiest part, the client side, the easiest part. Sure, you're programming in the browser. So I wonder, you know, I start first with HTML. I get my undergraduates, they've been taking HTML since, in some cases, you know, the fourth grade. And they know nothing about it when they arrive in junior and senior year at UCSD Computer Science, a top 20 university. Is it the English of the web or is it the Latin of the web? Is it the English of the web in that it's widely spoken and poorly understood from a rule point of view? I've learned my English by watching rap videos. I can't speak it, I guess, but I really don't know what it's doing. Or is it the Latin of the web and everything derives from it? The reality is it's both. It is the Latin of the web in that CSS, JavaScript all depend on it. It's a foundational technology. But it's so misunderstood, people have no idea what they're talking about. I wrote a, a book recently about HTML5 and I've given a lot of talks about it. And as far as I can tell, HTML5 is like the matrix Morpheus tells you you can't know what the matrix is unless you see it for yourself. HTML5 seems to be the same thing. When you really pin people down about it, it's a buzzword. And there is something specific to what it is, but that is rarely what people are saying when they talk about it. We know that CSS is obviously now a viable technology, and JavaScript, like it or not, is there for you. But I would say to you there's a couple things we need to understand. The browser is not your friend. The client side of the medium is absolutely out of your control. If a bad guy or anybody or me is looking at your web page, anything in that page is theirs. They can pervert it in any capacity they want. They can destroy it, steal it, do anything. The client side is an untrusted, unsafe environment. You have no idea what's happening there. Most people do not believe this and they build very bad websites because they don't know what they're doing. They also do not understand, and I jokingly said, it's the easy side. It is not the easy side. The number of dimensions of information one would have to know, this was done a few years ago in 2008 by a fellow at Yahoo, is approaching 1,000. I mean, there are ridiculous amounts of permutations of browsers, technologies, um, different rendering modes of your browser, and so on. It is an absolute cascade of complexity. Most people are simply unaware of how many errors are happening in their pages. And when they put them in, they want to run. 
because if they put a diagnostic in to see this, they realize that I'm absolutely not being cynical. They simply were naive. Now, Google knows this. Try disconnecting your Wi-Fi and watch Gmail tell you it's offline. It knows. It catches errors. It knows a bunch of different things. This isn't my opinion. A lot of us know this. This is Doug Crockford uh, of eBay, formerly of Yahoo and some other places. He's not the only one, I'm not the only one out there who will tell you that this is not the easy software development. This is the hard software development. Unfortunately, it's hard to get the CS people here. It's a design thing. So Google will hire a lot of people who want to do computer science and then basically switch them into doing front-end JavaScript web development. They didn't sign up for that, but that's where they need them. It's very difficult to do this. Yes, I do love, hate browsers. Well, yes, I hate them. They, they are a nightmare to deal with. How often does Chrome update itself? Do you know what version we're on now? Was it Chrome 29, I think? Something like this? Last year I gave a talk on this, and it was Chrome 19. <laughs> so uh, you say, well, he's like, Internet Explorer, you know, it's horrible. Internet Explorer 6 is still around. I can't believe it. It's horrible. Well, let me tell you something. Ten years ago, when it was you know, still relevant, it was a hot and good browser. Any browser today, ten years from now, is going to be IE6 in ten years. It's going to be awful. Now, you say, oh, well, they're updating all the time. Everything's great. What do you think happens when you build a website and you get everything right, and then the next day the browser updates on you and your customer calls you up and says, the site's broken? It can't be Google's fault. It's got to be yours. You built it wrong. You're never done testing, are you? It's shifting sands. Very hard development to deal with. So why do I care about this? Well, front-end technology isn't about just design. It's a very hard environment to develop in. But if you can do it, it's very lucrative. I can tell you flat out that if you really know what you're talking about when it comes to front-end engineering, I can get you a job, guaranteed, and for very large amounts of money. The problem is, is that really knowing what you're talking about is not a three-month adventure. It's, it's a fairly serious technology. So the way to do it right, and we're getting a lot of people coming back and trying to figure this out, is you've got to start at the beginning. If you don't know HTML deeply and standards-based, things don't lie on top of each other smoothly. Uh, CSS and then JavaScript and so on. We often are finding that once people really get into JavaScript, they realize that cutting the corners on their street HTML that they know is not going to work anymore. Uh, it just built on basically a, a, a foundation of sand. And JavaScript in particular is not a language to be trifled with. Uh, most people are very surprised how, how actually complex it is underneath. Um, but their typical thought, I like to joke around, it's kind of the Rodney Dangerfield of programming languages, is that it's somehow simple and that they can you know, pick it up in just a matter of a few days. Um, that's not the case. Now, server side's actually a lot better, to be frank. Everything's under your control. If you want 10 servers, buy 10 servers. If you like Unix, buy Unix. You know, if you want to run you know, ASP.NET, do so. You don't have issues where people can undo you. The problem, though, is that it's slow. It, it's, you have to always round trip to the server in order to update a page. There's no way around it. A client-side application will destroy a server-based application every time from an end user's point of view. It's just too slow. So you need both. And there's lots of contention here about what technologies you should study. Should you study Java? Should you study .NET? Should you study Ruby or PHP or Node.js or Scala or whatever you want? The reality is, is there really are only three different ways of doing things. And when you're arguing about things, you're, you're, you're typically not being very rational. You're, you're tending to kind of get into this 
this example that I use a lot with my programming language class at UCSD, where I ask people to tell me what is the best programming language. And they'll usually offer something up, and then I'll tell them that, uh, well, did you hear that the latest Grand Theft Auto video game was written in Pascal? And they go, what? That can't be true. You know, languages are just a representation of thought. Suggesting that one is superior to another is almost as insane as saying that you cannot write poetry in Chinese. It, it doesn't make any sense. There are certain degrees of applicability, but this kind of fixation on the language as opposed to what you do with it, I think is, is similar to people who are English majors arguing about semicolon placement. It, it, it really isn't what you want to focus on. What you're more interested in is applicability to your problem set. Now, is this the right tool for the job? Yeah, I can use a screwdriver as a hammer, but should I? It's not good at it, right? So when I think about these things, I think about the different kinds of technologies there are, the three different models, basically something that's close and embedded in a server, like an Apache module, something which is detached somewhat from a server, an app server or CGI program, and something which is somewhat in between, like a scripting language type environment. And I, I basically have a trade-off in terms of complexity and scale or ease of development, and so on. And that if things tend to be easier to develop in, I tend to find them to have more difficulty in scaling. If they tend to be more difficult and lower and bare, bare metal, I can go faster, but I don't expect myself to get the job done that quickly. There is no one technology to rule them all. There's lots of different choices one can make here. You know, you can run you know, CGI programs, JSP programs, whatever you want to do. So there's plenty of paths here at the university you could take here. You, I really don't care in, in, in some sense. You might care because of certain issues of like maybe what they're hiring in right now. Maybe people are hiring a lot of Ruby people. I don't know. Therefore, you should take classes in that. But from a kind of a functional point of view, I really wonder about this. You know, I, I, I look at, say, like PHP, and I say, the good news about it, I can develop very quickly with it. Um, does it encourage me to write large-scale programs in a very structured manner? Not really. .NET does, but can I write something trivial very fast? Not usually. If it's outside what the wizard's going to do for me, it probably I'm not going to get very far. But I, I find that there's a lot of, you know, kind of religiosity around the choice of the server-side technologies, which I've kind of dubbed the Lord of the Rings technology. There can be only one, you know, the one true technology to run the web or something. So if only I would have used X, where X is, you know, some language that's hot now, I would have not added security holes to my website, made it not scale. I don't know. Everybody great uses technology X, Ruby, Scala, Go, whatever. So you choose that because everyone else is doing it. Or... Such and such doesn't scale well. It's insecure. It's not enterprise class or so on. What's funny is, is that if you take these theories and say, well, boy, you really have some strong opinions about this. I think you're wrong. I know for a fact that Java is much better. You know, PHP couldn't keep up with that. You better let Facebook know. The biggest site on the internet can't scale because of PHP. You say, oh, well, PHP then is superior because they use it and they're the biggest site. Well, you better let Yahoo know, running CGI programs still from back in the day and scaling to millions upon millions of users. You can find every one of the technologies in the high-end sites. That's not what's keeping you back. It's not the shoes that doesn't make you a great basketball player. That's not your problem. So pick your languages as you like for what you think appeals to you and the jobs you want. But understand what you probably really need to learn is architecture and the trade-offs that you will run into. The languages, unfortunately, will not make you a great architect. 
Now, we will see that when it comes to web applications, nearly all of them today have a data store at their back end. And frankly, I know we have programs here at the university that they just teach you database. That's it. You become an Oracle administrator or something. There's a reason that it's that complicated because honestly, you could just do that and be really busy and you could be on a web team just managing the database. When you learn a little bit of PHP and a little bit of MySQL to build a create, read, update, delete, otherwise affectionately known as a CRUD application, um, that really isn't very much stuff. It's kind of like saying, you know, Photoshop because you know the magic wand or something. You know, it's, it's, it's really not enough to be a legitimate database developer. And you, there will be side effects to this. You will see that these, these types of applications do not scale well. That SQL injection exists not due to the amazing hacking ability of people in Anonymous, but due to the naivete of the people building the web apps. That they accept inputs, that they do not understand the basics of how things work. You are very underprepared for your effort. But don't let that impede you. There's got to be an easier way. It's because of the SQL. Maybe if we go no SQL, everything will be good. We'll just get rid of the SQL and we'll do key store based databases. That's because they saw that Google did that. So we'll use Mongo or one of these new ones and everything will be great. Again, there is no one solution to anything. It depends on what you're doing. Good engineers do not fall in love with their hammer and say, this is all I see. All I have is a hammer. There's different technologies for the job. So if you wanted to learn about databases, I guarantee you, you can be gainfully employed and learn all sorts of really neat stuff. First, you'd obviously have to learn SQL. And then you'd probably have to spend a tremendous amount of time with a specific technology of database that you're interested in, whether it be Oracle or MySQL or Mongo or something. Every one of the databases you can be certified in and spend probably a good year or two just learning all the ins and outs of how to do that particular database. But even when you know the specifics of that database, that doesn't mean you know necessarily how to design and scale one properly. That's a whole other discipline of its own. And so I almost think that in some sense, you could probably spend upwards of four years before you were truly deeply competent in database development. The challenge that we see is that every one of these pieces, apparently, is just a giant rabbit hole, isn't it? You, you go down it, and you start to see there's just more and more and more to really know what's going on. A simplified view of the web would have you have a browser, a user agent, making a simple HTTP request to a web server, which would run some code and maybe talk to a database. This would be a very you know, kind of intro 101 to, to the web kind of thinking pattern. The problem is, is that it doesn't work that way. You transit many, many things on the internet. You go through proxy servers, you go through many hops, you talk to all sorts of different stuff. You rely on the functionality of the domain name service to be up so that you can resolve the name. There are many, many points of failure. The reality for me, it's always about the network. That's what makes it different. If it was software engineering without the network, it's just regular software engineering. It's not web engineering. To be a web developer is to know what web is about. And what is web about? It's about HTTP, HTML, the network, and so on. I mean, that's what it is. That's what makes it different from a desktop application. The fallacy is that it is not a reliable network. You hit reload all the time. I call it layer eight error correction. You hit the shift reload button, or just reload, or clear your cache. You do it all day long. You're not even aware of it half the time. The network has minor little issues. Latency is not zero. Things are delayed. You have challenge with bandwidth. People say, well, I should have more bandwidth. Everything will be solved. Bandwidth isn't your problem. 
What's interesting is if you look at a study, once you're above about 5 megabits a second, you get no effective value end-to-end on most applications on the Internet. Latency, distance, and delay is what's killing you. But the only way to get around that is to move things closer. And you say, well, if, I, if I'm trying to deliver a web page to somebody in Moscow, no amount of bandwidth in the universe is going to save me. I need to put it close to them. Well, then what about the people in San Diego? Well, I put it close to them. What about the people in Tokyo? Got to put it close to them. What do I have now? I have a distributed application, don't I? My application's all over the world. How do I keep it synchronized? How do I even merge my log files so they make sense? I mean, it's, this, is, this is a nightmare. Learning the network, particularly HTTP, is probably one of the best things you could do for yourself. Sadly, we have no classes in it. I think a couple of years ago, uh, one of my compatriots, Joe Lima, and I taught a web servers class, and it was, it was a great class. But it's, it's one of these things that nobody really wants to think that they need to know about. But I'll tell you, if you go to the Velocity Conference every year, DevOps or Dev Operations is a tremendously large industry. There are a lot of people in there keeping big-name websites up and running. They can't get enough people in this space. You have to know enough about networking and enough about web apps to be more than dangerous. Uh, and there's lots of people, subdisciplines in there. Performance optimization for websites, uh, security monitoring and penetration testing for websites. There's all sorts of operational aspects of websites. Analytical monitoring, uh, you know, see who's doing what on sites, tons and tons of stuff. So you put all this together... And you see this huge system, you know, client making HTTP requests, getting HTML and CSS and JavaScript, interchanging data packets like JSON and XML over HTTP or even over SSL, secured HTTP, talking to web servers of a whole variety that are running applications written in you know, half a dozen, dozen different languages that are popular out there, talking to databases of different types. This seems like a very complicated system with lots of moving parts. If you're an engineer in any capacity, even just an amateur engineer, one knows that more moving parts is a good thing or a bad thing for the reliability of your system. It's generally a bad thing, isn't it? It leads us to not understand the way that the things butt up against each other and how they might fit. It's too difficult to know things deeply. You say, well, you, know, you present yourself as knowing things deeply. I, I'm a good actor. So, not really, I, I don't know that much about a lot of these topics. I know enough to tell you all the theoretical pros and cons of them, but ask me to write a JSP application, it's not going to go well. I'm going to spend a lot of time looking things up and figuring out, but I know the fundamentals, I know exactly how to do it from the theory point of view, that's not what I speak. Even the areas which I'm very deeply involved in, there are challenges. They are getting beyond big. I see a lot of challenges here. I see huge engineering problems on the web, and that's why I think there's so much gainful employment to be had. In particular, I see tremendous security flaws to the point of I can, I can basically go to Google and I can Google for exploited sites. I don't even have to exploit the site. I just use Google to find the exploit. So they index exploits themselves, so just hack via Google. I, it's, it's a disaster out there. I, I used to have a bar bet with a guy that, uh, in the security space, and he and I do a talk on this. And we'll say, you know, give us a list of you know, corporations of 10 randomly chosen, and we guarantee you we could probably hack one within two to three minutes. And it's like, oh, that's not possible. It's very possible. I mean, it's, it's kind of a mess out there. So the good news is that's an opportunity, right? That's not a problem. That's something waiting for you to learn about and sell or solve. Performance challenges. Sites are slow. 
I think to myself, oh, well, everything will get better. You know, we have all this bandwidth, everybody will be happy, reduce the latency problems. Yes, you think they're going to not want any more than today's web page. They won't want high definition video, and they want it now. They don't want to wait three seconds. The tolerance is 100 milliseconds or so. This is human nature, not technology. Imagine your refrigerator door opening up at the average time web pages go, about four to six seconds. You'd be really happy about the refrigerator, wouldn't you? That's, that's not how things are going to be in the future. The rise of things like the cloud to what I would call utilitize or the delivery of web applications, so you don't have to think about it. It can scale, it can do all these things easily, is really a response to the difficulty of doing all this. Similarly with the rush to JavaScript, the realization that in fact it makes no sense not to use JavaScript as the sole language. Most of us who are in programming language theory say all the other languages, if you're starting with this clean slate, don't get it. The web's one. As C was to Unix, JavaScript is to the web. You cannot get away from it. If I were to, to leave with the final word, I'm lucky. I made a good choice. I happen to be into that topic. It is the winner. You may not like it. You may not want to get away with it, but it's the immovable rock of the internet. If you think of an application, client-side and server-side, programming code in both places, what do you do? Do you write half of it in one language and half of it in the other? One that operates with strict typing on one side and weak typing on another? That doesn't make a lot of sense. I do form checking and then I write the exact same algorithm on the server side in another language. That's double the code, double the fun? That doesn't make a lot of sense. The server side is up to you. You can choose whatever you want. If you've heard of Node.js, that's running JavaScript on the server side. Oh, amazing, we can do this. We were doing it ever since the beginning. The internet's finally coming around. Classic ASP was dominantly done in JavaScript. It was the top thing in the late 90s. The first development environment was, in fact, in JavaScript from Netscape. JavaScript is all over the place with millions of different names. In fact, when most people talk about HTML5, they're talking about JavaScript. When you talk about Ajax, that's JavaScript. DHTML, that's JavaScript. JavaScript is the thing you need to know. Unfortunately, you can't learn it in one or two classes. We try, there probably should be seven classes in it, but it's a challenge. If you want to use the MongoDB database, it's using JSON and JavaScript in there. You can see Google is betting big on it. They're building libraries, they're putting things, everything into JavaScript. Gmail's in JavaScript, everything's in JavaScript. You don't see any change of this. They're trying to change it to other things like Dart and other languages, but there's no way. The incumbency of the language is just too solid. So to imagine what it would mean to put a new language in all browsers on the web. Is that going to happen in the next five years? We're still dealing with IE6s around and IE7s around. We're not going to get rid of this language anytime soon. So with that said, that was my one word. It's like the guy when he says, you know, go into plastics. That's what I'm saying. Go, on, go into JavaScript. You, you will thank me for it eventually. Um, so that's all I have for you. I can give you plenty of other slides about things, but I'm sure you have lots of questions. Okay, well, I guess that's it. I'll, I'll stick around when we're off camera so you can ask your questions without embarrassment. So thank you.